It's a preseason overreaction Sunday here in the Doghouse on the Believed Network. Welcome back to the Doghouse, uh, sponsored by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm your host, David Murray, and we're here to overreact on a Sunday. Okay, so it's not the real season yet, still the preseason. But since we always overreact the day after games, why not overreact? the day after Mississippi State held its first preseason scrimmage of this camp. First of two, by the way, since you're capped at that number by the NCAA rules. I could go through all those once again, but I will save you the boring details. Just understand that the real season is three more weekends away, weekends and weeks for that matter, that the Bulldogs need and will use to take the results from that first preseason scrimmage and continue on with their camp script. Or quite likely to adapt it as they deem necessary. And oh, by the way, those deemed necessary uh, may not be, probably, in fact, are not what we media or fans would have thought immediately after observing things. All right, confession time here. Instant impressions of the scrimmage were not terribly positive, at least. No, let's not use at least because it's so ultra-important to have a reliable and a productive air raid offense If Mississippi State is going to meet baseline expectations this year, let's call that an at-most, if you will. Anyway, as written yesterday, the Bulldog defense more than did its job for the, let's see, uh, I counted 14 semi-official series with quite a few start-overs involved, do-overs even, because Mike Leach and staff would put the ball down by a shifting script that only they knew to get all the required plays for both offense and defense run and done. So keeping a drive chart from the stands, and guess who among the media corps drew that duty, was challenging. And it was also entertaining at times, too, because that way you're getting a clearer idea of what they're trying to accomplish sometimes by the plays they run, not even sometimes directly related to situations like down and distance. Well, as saying, exiting the stadium, and through a delicious fog of broiling beef, by the way, if I had been asked a snap impression, it would have been uh, to say... Bad day on offense, very good day on defense, and what the heck happened with the kickers? Place kickers, I mean, because there was no punting or kickoff done. And that's pretty much how our 24-7 team's reporting ran for the day. Now, with an evening and a morning to reconsider what was the eighth working day of camp, have our instant impressions held up or any further reviews shifted things? Uh, No, no, and I don't know. Know about the defense. I came away thinking they're good, very good, and they are. They're better than maybe should be at this point because they looked, and again, against an offense that was having its issues, but they looked ready to play a real game this weekend. And there's a degree of developing and even already developed depth that's awfully encouraging for a long season. Uh, Jumping to the place kicking, please, guys, don't make a liar out of me and others who've been praising your preseason work. And by the way, if ever the wisdom of practicing at least once a week in the stadium, preseason, during the season, whatever, which Mike Leach firmly believes in, was affirmed, it was yesterday in how these kickers performed on the big stage. Now, Massimo Bacardi and Ben Rabin, they don't lack for leg. And they've been pretty much spot on in practices as we reported, um, including the scrimmage type situations during practices. So we know they can kick the ball far enough. They can kick the ball straight enough. And if drives halt at 30 and 35, but that's in practices. And the guys, you've got to do it for real on the real field, too. And yesterday, three of eight combined. That includes 
the number three kicker and, and just the fact that the number three kicker got that many shots, I don't know if that says something worrisome or just, just how things were scripted. I don't know, but they've got to be better than that when it counts inside not just Davis Wade Stadium, but all the other stadia they're going to play in this coming season. And about the offense. Now, I must, must inject here what's always ignored by scrimmage observers and most of all by myself and media peers. Only the coaches know what was called, why, where, and who. So their judgment will come from a vastly differing perspective, which is probably why Leach was a pretty relaxed minutes after the action and before the evening's deep dive into those results. After his staff gets through hashing the video, then he looks through the full thing himself. He was actually in a reasonably upbeat mood. Um, but much fell into mental place, as far as I'm concerned, after hearing the head coach comment about it. And we'll pass along that comment to you in just a minute. But for right now, let's talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with the first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the National Football League, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Good luck with that. But hey, they put the odds out, go with it, because Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use the promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V, all caps, 50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So, where did Mike Leach start out on Saturday talking about the scrimmage? Well, basically, a kind of a uh, relaxed, as I said, attitude about it. Uh, but as I noted, something clicked for at least me and maybe for more who read our report or caught the video as well. When he said, and I'm paraphrasing pretty grossly here because I don't have the exact quote in front of me. I could call it up, but uh, just take this paraphrase for it. The scrimmage, the first one at least, was more about evaluating individuals than it was any thought about a winner or loser as far as teams goes. You know, the things we observers obsess over, you know, defense dominated, offense dominated, it was a draw, that kind of thing. No. I judge by his comments that they were pretty much focused on individuals who were working within a team scrimmage setting. Now, yes, he did veer off uh, saying that the offense won a couple of series, the defense dominated the next few, etc., and so on. That is not at all what seems to have mattered to state staff at the time or since that time either. Each participant is right now. As we record this Sunday afternoon, being judged for their own execution, again, within a scrimmaging context. And the results will be applied to the next phase of preseason, which begins this evening. Because after eight days, think about this, it's either already or very soon will be time to start trimming that uh, varsity, in quotes, roster down to the dogs on all units who will be dressing out for the first game or the first month of games, maybe even the entire season. Remember, even if camp only began a week ago last Friday, it's still one-third complete as of today. Consider that a moment. And there's only just the one scrimmage left with 16 other dates for practicing and game week workup, including um, fan events also. 
Let's think about it. You're a third of the way through, and you feel like you've just barely begun camp. Okay, easy for us to say just barely begin camp because we're not the ones beating and banging out there. I'm sure some dogs would appreciate the fact that uh, this evening's practice is scheduled to be just two hours, and it will be cooler hours of the day as well. It's open to media. We don't know what the coverage schedule is going to be for the rest of the week. Um, Leach has been pretty loose about media observations. I don't think that will change anytime soon, certainly not up until you get closer to game week. But anyway, as we go out there and watch this evening, maybe we'll send more clues about uh, who is making that invisible camp cut. Our 24-7 team will be there. So check in later on Sunday evening as well as Monday morning uh, for whatever we have to observe from that. I can say that it did not seem anyone was uh, injured during the scrimmage yesterday. A couple of players were either held out entirely or limited in their participations. Uh, Rufus Harvey being one, and I bring him up because, boy, did he have a good week at camp, which we'll be talking about later. So it wasn't entirely the teams, but uh, for now, let's give some uh, whole camp observations about the position groups with uh, the Saturday scrimmage in context that way. Quarterback? No change and no sign of changes. It's still Will Rogers and Sawyer Robertson in that order and clearly one and two. Rogers got all the first team work yesterday on the offense and twice against the number one defense the uh, third time against a combination uh, second unit as well. And Sawyer Robertson, twos versus twos. It was interesting. I don't know if it meant anything, but it was interesting that the twos went out there first, then the ones and threes, and they came back same order twice again. So, again, like we said, they had a script yesterday. We reported the stats. I'm not going to go through those again here, uh, the completions, the yardage, the touchdowns, things like that. Well, I will go over the fact that uh, five passes were intercepted. Um, not good by any stretch, but Robertson threw one pick, Rogers threw one, another one himself, and the backups three more. Yes, the secondary is that much improved. The pass rush was good. Still, it's a scrimmage, and you're not supposed to be throwing the ball to the other color jerseys. Now, this was the first area that jumped out at me yesterday. I looked at the completions percentage, the yards per catch, and those things overall, and maybe I overreacted a little. However, looking through this morning, I don't think a whole much changes in regional impressions. Uh, the yards per catch were okay, about nine for all quarterbacks, a little over eight for the top two quarterbacks, which is really all we should focus on now anyway. Uh, yards per attempt, not so good, but then about the same as last regular season. Uh, not what you wanted to hear. You wanted to hear about improvement, but at least there's no regression Okay, maybe that's a glass half full kind of thing. And again, defense was good. I thought the throwing was reasonably on target most of the time. Um, I do think that Rodgers and Robertson both held on to the ball longer than they tended to in previous practices in spring or last fall in games, Rodgers certainly. And you have the luxury of doing that scrimmage because you know you're not going to get killed by your own defender. But still, it just was a sign that they're looking to go to different places with the ball than they have the first two years in the air raid. So there's that to take into the calculations as well. And that is going to automatically lower your, precision, per, your completion percentage uh, in and of itself. 
So I don't want to overreact too much on that. Rodgers is clearly the guy. He's got the team behind him. Robertson is still developing. He's got a lot of abilities. Oh, by the way, we came out of spring thinking that Robertson was by far the better runner. Uh, slap me for saying that. Oh, this is no knocking Robertson. He can still run the ball. Rodgers in practices and even twice in scrimmages took off and not just uh, was allowed to go free by the defense. He took off and ran for positive yards even before the whistle blew, where they assumed that a a slide down would have taken place. So I think maybe he's being freed up a little bit more this coming season to take off and go, and maybe that reflects the fact that the receivers are going to be pulling the support further downfield. Nothing ever happens in isolation on a football field. So why do I come out concerned? Well, two things. The completions percentage was just over 50 for the two guys. And in an air raid, if you're not completing at least 66%, preferably 75%, something is just not going right. I will credit a lot of that to the defensive line and um, some pressure packages put in by the linebackers as well. It wasn't a whole lot of true blitzing, and that's worrisome about the offensive line, obviously. But I think that's one reason for it. Second, there were a lot of drops. I mean, there were some flat-out drops by the receivers, and that is really frustrating because you know those guys are better than that. You've seen them do it in practices, at least I have. If I had to point at one thing that has me uncomfortable going into the season, thankfully we're not this week, as said, it's the lack of first downs yesterday. All possessions started at the 50-yard line, then would restart with red zone. Red zone offense was better for obvious reasons. Um, At the same time, of course, defense has less to cover, so maybe that's a wash. They just didn't move the chains a whole lot on their own. First offense, second offense, third offense, playing against parallel defensive teams. If I had to point to one thing again, that is my big concern, was they just weren't moving the chains on their own. Why? I don't know. Again, I, I still think it was more the fact that the offensive line I won't say they were abused, but the defensive line certainly had their way most of the day. And uh, it has not been quite that during practices. I think the defense really raised their game once inside the stadium. They've won most of the practices by the uh, complex scoring system that Leach has his staffers hollering out after every play in full team work. They've won most of the days, but the offense has won a few days of its own and played some of those other days pretty closely. So, Uh, yesterday seems to be a bit of an anomaly in that regard. Or at least let's hope it's an anomaly. Let's hope the defense really is this good and the offense is catching on. And by scrimmage, too, we see better results from that. Uh, Nothing really new to report on the running backs. Uh, Marks and Johnson show for now, although Simeon Price was taking third turns yesterday and making some good yardage. Bull Hargrove was held out, but he got plenty of work during the week. Good runner. Really got to work on his receiving, which is probably why he's not in the mix right now. But you like his chances if he can ever hold on to the ball because Will Rogers and Robertson are putting the ball on his hands in practices. He's just got to finish the job because the guy's got speed, he's got moves. Just make the catch and then put your skills to use. I'm going to stand by spring and preseason comments. This is a much better all-around group of receivers. They didn't show it yesterday. They dropped the ball. Um, A couple of the interceptions were clearly because the receivers went the wrong way, didn't get to the right spot at the right time, let themselves get held up. 
I still think this is a much improved, much more versatile group. No, there's not an obvious go-to guy, either in practices or the scrimmage so far. But think about it. At this time a year ago, was Makai Polk what you'd call a go-to guy? No, he wasn't. Until he was. So I'm willing to look at it, and maybe they don't even need a go-to guy per se, because I've seen each day different receivers rise to the occasion. A couple were... Uh, either limited snaps yesterday, i.e. Rufus Harvey, who was uh, dinged up soft part of the week, but still made some pretty spectacular catches in the practice settings. You know, Caleb Ducking didn't have any catches yesterday, but he's had a good camp so far. I could run through the list of uh, guys who had only one grab and not for big yardage. Or uh, What I should do is go through the list of the drops, but I'm not. They're, this receiver group is so key to this team this year, I think – They've still got all the talents and skills. They've just got to put it into action, and we'll know more about it after this coming week. Offensive line, doesn't look like anything's changed in the front five since camp began. Uh, there was a fair amount of mixing and matching this past week in the days, you know, such as giving, uh, and these are just examples, giving uh, Stephen Lasoya first-team snaps at center. Or Cole Smith snaps at right guard of the first team. Gabe Cavazos at left guard with the first team as well. And what I mean is they would have three and four regulars in there and insert these players, then run others out for one play and shuttle somebody in. Like I said, mixing and matching because you've got to get some guys both developed for depth and the cohesion to work comfortably with the guys who are on either side of you. In fact, there were a couple of times last week that both starting center LaQuinston Sharp and backup LaSoya were on the field together with LaSoya at guard. You see how the coaches are trying to develop that. They're trying to figure out who the best blockers are. You know, always keep in mind that positions aren't nearly as cemented as it sounds. And we should have learned over a decade ago that the goal here is the best five available blockers shoved into whatever they need to and not just the best at any individual position. Uh, the development during the week that intrigued me most was Albert Reese, who I would say has a lock on the right tackle guard, except that uh, he's been practicing now at right guard a good bit with uh, right guard Cameron Jones, also a perceived lock, working at right tackle, just a straight-up swap of positions. That, again, reflects that uh, positions aren't so um, absolute or ironclad. It's just who can block and who's most comfortable blocking beside somebody else blocking. So you see what uh, the coaches are trying to do at this point. And oh, by the way, Dollar Bill Johnson may not have left tackle nailed down, but so far he hasn't been surpassed by Percy Lewis, which is what something that uh, I and many others thought might happen at spring ball. Good job by Johnson holding on to the first team job so far. Now it's just a matter of getting out there and making it pay off in future scrimmages and practices because if this line develops, I still think the potential is there for a really productive offense this season. And they were going up against a defensive line. Well, you mentioned mix and match like I did. Well, it is mirrored on the opposite side of the trench. Coach Jeff Phelps talked about it, and we'll have a follow-up story on that, in fact. But it appears that most of that cross-training happened in April because so far noses have been noses, tackles, tackles, ends, ends. Still, Phelps expects to be able to switch guys around, uh, not for matchups, but out of necessity. Uh, for instance, you know, Jaden Crumity, 
who is a natural nose guard. He's playing tackle now, but he can always go back to nose if Cam Young has to spend any time on the sideline, either to catch a breather, to uh, tweak an ankle, something like that. And then you can alternate with Nathan Pickering. And uh, Pickering, by the way, he may be the one guy who's nailed down to a single spot because his skill set certainly suits nose. But Crumity can go be a great, great big old end if need be. Young can take tackles, so forth. Uh, we've seen Randy Charlton, who missed a couple of days this past week, but was back for the scrimmage, didn't participate, but he was dressed out. We've seen him move to tackle, and it's worked out well for him and given a quicker defensive front in the process. Uh, so does having John Lewis. Sherman Timms can jump up to end like Lewis can, even though they're listed linebackers. You see what I'm getting at. You take all that muscle they bring and then add it to ends like Jordan Davis, DeMonte Russell, and outside linebacker Tyrus Sweet. I'll confess again, back in spring ball, I had a few nagging concerns about depth. I thought the first defensive line would be strong enough. Well, the depth has settled that. They can rotate three by three or position by position, whatever they want to do. This is a good defensive line. Uh, I'm not going to say they're up to uh, the standards of, say, 2016 through 2019, but they're getting there fast. Linebackers, I'm... uh, not quite as concerned now about the fact that the linebacker still seems a little bit short to me. In a parenthetical note, how on earth could Bulldog football of all programs ever be short on linebackers? You know, Dan Mullen and Joe Moorhead certainly let things slide there for a few years, thinking restocking could be too easy. But I'm thoroughly happy with the top two, Nate Watson and Jet Johnson. Uh, they're living up the legacy. After that, well, I can't say anybody's really jumped out, not yet. But when you're playing behind that defensive line, life should be a whole lot simpler. And I will say without any fear or favor, the safety position is improved. Please, no jokes related to 2021 performance as a comparison. No, these guys really are playing better in practice, better in scrimmage, even better than they were in spring to my eyes. It took Jackie Matthews a little time to get comfortable, but he has settled in just fine. Jalen Green seems to want to prove something after his inconsistent season. And Colin Duncan, he's the old guy who may have benefited most by having Zach Garnett in charge. And then you take Dylan Lawrence, who he was in yellow for a day or two this week with an undisclosed injury. It did not stop him from not only hitting the field running, but hitting people with his own case to prove it appears. In fact, he and Corey Ellington might have been the most progressive practice hitters during the whole week. They love having Arnett for a coach, and you can see the influence in their aggressiveness. And as we found out in the scrimmage yesterday, because you always worry about aggressiveness getting them in trouble, the coverage was really good by the safeties. Cornerbacks, oh, what do you need to know besides Emmanuel Forbes and Marcus Banks? And they're developing some depth there, but you've got your top two. Oh, what have we not covered? Punting, because there was none yesterday. I expect to see some of that as in this coming week. We talked about place kicking. And you know, the irony being, we had such a fun Q&A with Biscardi and Rabin on uh, Thursday from our Wednesday post-practice interview. You just want these guys to succeed both because they're fun and uh, transfers who came here with all great things to say about the program and playing here, but you know they can help you win games, and they can help the offense win games because they give you options inside the 40-yard line. 
So that's all I'll say about them for now. Uh, we'll start seeing more about the punting and punt return game, kickoff return game this week. That will start taking place again as they start trimming down the roster to the guys who will actually play or be in prime backup roles and for depth. Then you can start spending more snaps on other special team situations. Not that states lack doing that. Uh, Leach and staff are obsessed with special teams this year, but not at the cost of practicing offense and defense through the first third of camp. Now we're moving into the second third. Again, it starts this evening, uh, 6.30 practice, scheduled for just two hours, which means uh, that's pretty typical practice, as, so to speak. After a scrimmage, after all the bumps and bruises, though again, it wasn't a really long scrimmage either yesterday. We should have the practice plan for the week sometime, if not this evening, by tomorrow, and know what the coverage is going to be like. So anyway... It's Sunday. It's time to overreact to camp because soon we're going to be overreacting to real games. Next week, we'll be wrapping up the next stage of preseason for Mike Leach's program. Also, uh, I'm sure we'll be throwing in some results on who made it to class as far as baseball goes, what's happening with basketball there, because uh, school starts Wednesday. No, I don't miss those days myself at all. And I'm sure most of you don't either. College life had its advantages, but going to class weren't one of them. Well, that's our Doghouse Overreaction Sunday for Sunday. Check us out as we go into this week. Uh, follow our content on jeanspage.com as well, because we got a lot going in camp as it picks into its next phase. That's the Doghouse on the Believe Network, sponsored by Bet Online, where the game starts. This is your host, David Murray. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be talking to you again soon.